0: The new AP poll came out on Monday, and the Tar Heels aren't back to being ranked yet. And you know what? They shouldn't be. At least not yet. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. hey there it's tuesday december 20th 2022 welcome in to the locked on tar heels podcast the only daily north carolina show out there i am your host isaac shade and i want to thank you for diving in with us each and every day seriously so many new folks coming and joining the podcast we want to welcome you and make you feel like part of this family Uh, Today on the show, all sorts of stuff going on. We're going to look at, uh, we had our introduction to the new offensive coordinator for the football team. The women's basketball team plays tonight. We'll get you ready for that. But first, seriously, this new AP poll came out on Monday and Carolina's not ranked yet. Several, Several had wondered if they would be, but for me... Frankly, no, they shouldn't be. Um, It's not time yet. They had lost four in a row. Yes, it was four in a row to like quad one games, right? Iowa State, Alabama four overtimes at Indiana and at Virginia Tech. Um, And even though those are essentially understandable losses outside of Iowa State, um, in the eyes of the AP voters, when you're doing that early in the season, it's hard for them to change their minds about who you are and what you are and who you might become for whatever it's worth. A lot of the AP voters just aren't either capable time-wise or whatever it is of just diving in and dialing in to a whole bunch of different schools. And so they're not seeing the progression Carolina is making. And so it takes time to win back over AP voters and and folks need to be aware of that. And plus, yes, you have a three-game winning streak, but it's over Georgia Tech, it's over the Citadel, and it is over a ranked Ohio State team, but one who, frankly, you needed a miracle to beat. A well-drawn-up and well-executed miracle, but a miracle. And um, it, so I say all that to say it's going to take more. You have to take care of business Wednesday against Michigan. And then you probably need to do maybe a little more than that. However, Carolina is just sneaking their way back in. Remember two weeks ago, they had one vote in the AP poll last week. uh, I believe it was zero and they're climbing back. Now they are, they are in back in the others receiving votes. If you count out where they would be, it's actually 32nd overall. So they're, they're climbing right back into that top 25 territory. (laughs) And so they're going to get there. Now, as part of this trajectory back in the right direction, there are reasons to be encouraged about why Carolina is moving back towards being ranked. But there's also some things that have to be worked on and cleaned up that are still keeping them from being ranked. So I'm going to unpack those as yays and boos. (laughs) Not alcohol, but like boo. Right, you're with me. You're all middle school brains like me, right? Booze. Everybody wants to drink. Okay. The yays. First off is, man, this these assist percentage numbers continue to move right back in the right direction. We mentioned this on Monday's show, but to me, this is quintessentially Carolina turning into Carolina basketball, having now three straight games, this, this three-game winning streak where they've assisted on over 50% of their baskets. That is incredibly... um good. (laughs) I can't think of the word. It is relieving. That's the word I was looking for. It it, just that Carolina is finding its way into being itself and playing Carolina basketball. The reason specifically I bring this up again on a second day in a row is because I want to look at a different nuance of it. I think we, a lot of people, myself included, rightly give Caleb love a lot of guff for taking what are oftentimes ill-advised Shots and not finding as much playmaking distribution. Not so these last three as part of these last three games. Perhaps it's no coincidence that part of the reason Carolina is sharing the ball so much better is Caleb Love is sharing the ball so much better. He has been the leading assister in each of these three games, averaging six in the stretch, including seven versus just two turnovers against Ohio State on Saturday. You love that. As for another, yay! One of the things we had been watching out for was points in the paint where Carolina had been getting beaten. Well, um, I, I know we had said Ohio State was an overmatched front court in terms of height size, but those dudes are thick. Like Zed Key is a big boy and he can he has as they often said on the broadcast on Saturday has redistributed his body in many ways and so um, it, it's no pushover um, in, in the post they they can hold their own there the, the Ohio State front line and so for Carolina to win the points in the paint battle 44 to 38 is a big deal now obviously I'm talking about it pretty specifically in terms of post's Um, post players against each other. But keep in mind, that's going to include layups and other things too. So it's good to see that the guards are attacking downhill and getting in there as well. Staying in the paint, another encouraging sign is Carolina once again won the rebounding battle, this time 48-42. to And so that means they have now won the last in the three game winning streak. You see all this stuff coming together after being negative in rebounds. They've now won the rebounding margin battle in each of the last three games, plus 21, plus 16, and then plus six against Ohio State. The season average is up to plus 4.75 over the other teams. Let me give you two more yays as to why Carolina is progressing back towards being Ranked and they both revolve around the free throw line. You've heard me talk about how good a job the Tar Heels are doing of getting to the line in particular, Armando Bacot just forces a ton of fouls out of the other team draws so many of them. Well, in terms of free throw attempts, Carolina is ninth in the nation in average free throw attempts per game, but they're second amongst major conference teams. Only Texas A&M is above them. And then Even more impressively, it's not just—I've said this a lot—it's not just that they're getting there; it's that they're making them. They made just 70% against Ohio State, and that was a down day for the Tar Heels. (laughs) And so, that is an encouraging thing. So, ninth in the nation in free throws made, but now free throws assists—they're third in the nation, behind only New Mexico and again Texas A&M. Not, not just third amongst like third period in terms of average free throws made per game, man. If Carolina can continue to be that aggressive to force a lot of fouls on the other team, then that is getting back to some of that Dean Smith, Roy Williams, like, Hey, we're going to make more free throws than our opponent attempts. And, if Caroline is doing that, I I don't care where this, I mean, I do care, but it doesn't matter as much where the three point shooting is at things of that nature. You really want to be efficient around the rim, efficient at the free throw line and improving at the three point line. Those are what we're looking to see. And so um, all those yays. that's great stuff there, but we do have to look at the booze. I want to be, as always, an equal opportunity uh, praiser and critiquer, but hopefully uh, constructive criticism. Don't want to tear down just to tear down, but um, be able to, to look at things and try to evaluate um, how to improve and, and where you're already doing well. So the first one is obviously this glaring three-point percentage. Carolina shot six for 28, 21% against Ohio State. Caleb Love. Hit four threes. That's awesome. Oh, but the problem is he needed 13 to get there. Mm, That ain't great. RJ Davis, who, similar to Caleb, had great moments in this game, was um, from the field in general, was really good. It's just from the three-point line, he wasn't as good one for five. The one that kind of really stings is Pete Nance, who was 0 for six. And it's not like he was, you know, Caleb, I had said on Monday's show, um, had forced a couple, I really thought. And, um, I thought all of Pete loves, I haven't gone back and watched all six of them where I can say this definitively, but as far as I can remember, all six were shots that I thought he should be taking within the flow of the offense. And it made sense for him to pull on those and had a bunch of good looks just didn't drop. So Carolina as a team, thankfully, because of all those ones they made against Citadel is, is over 30% for the season, but just barely 30.4%. So here's the big question. I see three possibilities. Number one, is this a bad shooting team? Number two, are they a good shooting team, but they're taking the wrong shots? Or is it three, they're a good shooting team and they're taking the right shots. There's just some kind of pandemic amongst the team where they're just not going in right now. It's one of those three things. Either this just isn't a good, isn't as good a shooting team as last year. I guess I should put it that way. They're, they're, Good shooters, they're just taking the wrong shots or they're taking the right shots and they're a good shooting team, but they're just not falling. It's one of those three things for me, and, and I don't know that we're ready to fully answer that question yet. There are definitely good shooters on this team. It's just as a team, is Carolina good shooters this year? We're going to have to keep watching that to find out. Uh, my next boo is some bench stuff. In a game that went to overtime, the Tar Heels scored precisely three Three bench points, <laughs> one for each half and overtime, right? That's all it was. Uh Puff Johnson had two, and Tyler Nickel had one. That's it. That's all the bench production in terms of offensive points scored. Well, part of that is the bench just didn't play many minutes. Um, it's just low, right? Um, in, in total. 31 minutes and 51 seconds of bench play in a game like in a regulation game you have 200 total minutes so that's 31 out of that which seems a little better until you remember that you have 25 extra minutes because five players on the court at a time for five more minutes of overtime so that's 31 minutes in 51 seconds in 225 total minutes that's not a lot um and maybe it's that's who you're playing i you know there's all these things that factor in But we had been watching like, hey, is what happened against the Citadel a marker of things to come in terms of using the bench more and getting 42 points out of the bench? Or was that just because it was Citadel? Right now, it appears that it was just because it was Citadel. We'll have to keep watching, see what happens tomorrow night, Wednesday night against Michigan. Um, And then the last thing on the boo is that the turnovers, total number of turnovers themselves haven't been that bad. But there's a lot of. It's just silly turnovers that shouldn't happen. And again, I I don't think the overall turnover numbers are that inflated, but you could really even cut down and consistently be having single-digit turnovers. That would make this team immensely better already than they're playing right now. Well, we'll have to wait and see how they follow up on tomorrow against Michigan. We will have our full recap of that game, me and Pat Kilby bringing it to you. Well, on Monday, more action in another Carolina sport. Offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey had his introductory press conference. Would love to tell you more about that and what you can expect both in the short and long term. And we're going to do that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, which has every new potential hire, has the possibility to feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You wanna be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay, I got to be honest. I did not see this choice coming for offensive coordinator Carolina played it in very intentionally close to the best Matt Brown talked about that at his press conference on Monday. They just didn't want a whole bunch of people out there speculating and throwing names about. He wanted to control it and I love it, you know. Um it felt like I'm a Braves fan. That's how the Braves do these things? People make all these big speculations, and Alex Anthopoulos pulls this rabbit out of a hat, and it's like, what on earth? I, I love that Mac Brown led this search in a similar way. It's not Seth Luttrell. It's not Garrett Riley. Some of these names you heard bandied about. In fact, Mac Brown said some of these names y'all heard. I didn't even talk to them or consider them. And I love it, man. Mac is a dude. Well, it is Chip Lindsey, and this dude, his offenses have been. Electric. He's coming over from UCF, Central Florida, where he was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And you might hear that and think, what? Well, keep in mind, UCF for the past decade or so has a history of great offenses. Um, this specific connection comes into play because he was at Auburn before he was head coach at Troy, where he was the offensive coordinator for who? Gus Malzahn, who went to Central Florida. And then there you go. Chip Lindsey goes with him. My first reaction, my biggest take to this whole thing I don't really care about a name or a splashy hire. It doesn't have to be bringing Seth Luttrell back, it doesn't have to be bringing in Garrett Riley. What I care about is the right hire. And for me, what does the right hire mean? It means that Mac Brown wants him. If you trust Mac Brown, you trust Mac Brown's hiring capability. But chiefly, if Drake May is on board, then I'm on board. And so should be you. We're we're at a point where Drake May is the calming voice of Tar Heel Nation. On, on think back a couple weeks ago, on a day where there were multiple Tar Heel defections, including the very man Chip Lindsay is replacing. Keep in mind, it was Drake May's tweet that put the fan base at ease. You remember that? Like, hey, I'm here, I'm staying, I'm not going anywhere. People were freaking out. Hey, if Phil Longo's gone, so's Drake May. No, sir. He's still here. Well, same thing happened with the hiring of Coach Lindsey, where people are like, what what should we feel? What do we think? Is this the right guy? I don't know. Uh, Drake tweets out. He quote tweeted, you know, the the hiring tweet and said, quote, had the chance to visit with Coach Lindsey and fired up to work with him. Let's get to work. That's all the news that people need to know to know that everything's going to be fine and that everything's going to be all right. You know, like, drake may is that voice for people right now because coach brown can say it all he wants like this is the guy this is the right guy but it's just hard to know for a lot of people is that coach speak right do i trust you but when the presumptive you know top three preseason nominee for next year's heisman says i'm all in on this guy and i want to work with him next year you can take that to the bank and so for me this this hiring is perhaps the best thing from a continuity standpoint because basically nothing's really changing in in a grand way with the offense nothing really changes scheme wise and part of that is if you're Mac Brown you can't afford to waste your second and final year with Drake May as your quarterback you got to go out and get somebody who's going to basically allow Drake May to not have to overhaul his learning of a whole new offensive system which he could do because he's spectacular but if he can kind of carry on in the same vein with the same terminology same personnel groupings things of that nature um the that allows drake may to continue to play within the same giftedness and skill set that he did this season that's what you want but here's the thing was this offense perfect absolutely not too many sacks allowed Not enough balance with the rushing game. Uh, Clearly, things have fallen off these last three games. The two final regular season games, Georgia Tech, NC State, and then in the ACC Championship game against Clemson. Now, you're not going to see these big overhaul changes for the Holiday Bowl against Oregon. But um, you know that coming into spring ball, that's what you're going to get. So you go get someone like this, who's going to utilize the same personnel, that that same um, skill set, all the of Drake May, the same verbiage, all those things, but also brings in fresh eyes, a fresh brain, brings in fresh new wrinkles that hopefully allow the heels to restart what the beginning of this season had, right? Everything up until that Georgia Tech game to, to bring back, hopefully, that offensive dynamism and explosiveness at, at UCF. This year, they were 26th in the nation in scoring. They were 11th in total offense per game. And perhaps most importantly, they were 8th in the nation in rushing offense per game. And that, to me, is the wrinkle. That's what sets this apart and makes it something that I'm really excited about. That's the quote-unquote tweak. No remake, no overhaul. Mac wants this system to get better. How does it get better with better blocking and better running, which kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Um, Think about it as a building. We're not raising the building R-A-Z-I-N-G, like cutting it down and starting over with a fresh foundation. You're just remodeling the one you already have to to update it, to make it better, right? Um, Hopefully update it in in a better way. UCF this year had 200 plus rushing yards in a game nine times. 33 total rushing touchdowns tie or was 10th nationally. That's what you're bringing to the table. Oh, by the way, to go with Drake may who I know loses Josh Downs and Antoine green. I get all that, but there, there are potential possible awesome new wrinkles worked in now in terms of the connection between coach Lindsay and the new offensive line coach, Randy Clements, they've, um, I, I didn't know this connection for, but are apparently good friends who've wanted to work together for a long time. And so you see a lot of possibility there. They just want to get out and move defensive dudes around. Um, and, and the way they're going to do that, coach Lindsay talked about three things uh, at his introductory press conference that his offense will be. And he said this, our offense, I want it to be fast and I want it to be disciplined and I want it to be physical. And he believes that if Carolina can be those three things, oh, by the way, with Drake May at the helm, they can be a very successful offense once again, even despite losing some pieces on the line, some other skill position players, things of that nature. And so... I'm looking forward to see it. Now, again, we're not going to see it in the bowl game. Neither Coach Lindsey nor Coach Clements are coaching leading up to the Holiday Bowl, nor are they going to coach in it. They are in observational roles right now. They're part of meetings and things of that nature. Lonnie Galloway is going to step in and coach quarterbacks right now and call plays for the bowl game. So that's what you can be watching out for and obviously other people are shifting responsibilities to help coach the line and then fill in other gaps etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So, a lot of interesting stuff coming ahead. Keep your eyes peeled for it for the Carolina football team. We are getting very close to the bowl game just over a week away. We'll continue to get you ready for that, including coming up an interview with Cedric Gray, who we know now is definitely staying for sure next season. Watch out for that coming up on the show. Well, the women kick off the Jumpman Invitational tonight, and Charlotte also playing Michigan, followed by the guys tomorrow night. I want to get you prepped and ready for that game, a fourth Matchup with another top 25 opponent in the non-conference schedule, Coach Banghart's team is doing it. Want to get you ready for that, and we'll do so in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? Interesting. Yeah, driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. You didn't know that you need to know that that means driving high could get you a dui and if you think that law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high well folks you are dead wrong your friends can tell your co-workers can tell even your parents can tell Everyone can tell. Just trust me. I spent this past weekend in New York. You can absolutely tell when someone's high. What makes you think that the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high if all those other people can spot it out? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive both time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is if you feel different, then you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. This is paid for by the NHTSA. Okay, coming up tonight, the Women's Jumpman Invitational, the inaugural uh, matchup of these four Jumpman-sponsored schools, so obviously Carolina, Michigan, but also Oklahoma and Florida. Uh, It's a bit of a wonky schedule tonight, Tuesday, The Carolina women are playing the Michigan women and then also the Oklahoma men and Florida men are playing. And then it's flip-flopped tomorrow night where Carolina men will play the Michigan men. And then Oklahoma and Florida's women's teams will play as well. Kind of a wonky schedule, but that's what it is. Here's the details for Carolina women's game tonight. UNC versus Michigan In Charlotte, in the Spectrum Center, pretty cool that they're doing it there. 7 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN2. Here's the biggest thing for this game for North Carolina. They're going up. They are 6th in the nation, going against Michigan, who is ranked 19th. For me, this is an opportunity to solidify yourself as a bona fide top 10 team in America heading in to conference play. Why? Again, I just said this is the fourth-ranked team you've played. Right now the Tar Heels are 2 and 1 in those games. They beat 18 Oregon, they beat 5 Iowa State, but they lost at 5 Indiana. Understandably so as did the guys. But now they have this fourth opportunity. And think about the difference in being 2 and 2 versus 2 and 2 versus ranked teams against 3 and 1 versus ranked teams. That, that just feels massively different. It's like if you're, let's go back to baseball again, second time in the show. If I'm a batter, a three and one count feels very different from a two and two count. You know what I mean? Uh, for those of you that are baseball folks out there or softball folks out there, and so that's the difference. Carolina needs to win this game to to be three and one heading in to ACC play to really continue to solidify not only their top ten status but continue to have resume builders for. Um, the selection committee to look at and consider, boy, that's going to put them in a great place. And keep in mind, excuse me, the ACC conference is loaded on the women's side of things. Not as high this year for the guys, but for the women, man, the ACC is absolutely loaded. Chock-a-block, full of opportunities to get more big wins throughout the conference portion of the season. And here's the thing for me. This is a mature, experienced confident team who can go into this game and you know hopefully just just do work on it but if not if they should fall behind they're not a team that's going to get worried or distraught we have seen them have massive comebacks this season and sometimes that happens in a game right you just don't have it right out of the gate Um, even if you're prepared and ready it sometimes it just doesn't click but this team sticks with it and finds a way. And so whether they come out hot or not, I'm really curious to see how this game goes. And hopefully they can finish the non-conference portion of the schedule, three and one against ranked opponents. As for Michigan, as I said, they are ranked eight, uh, excuse me, 19th. But I think perhaps that ranking is a little inflated as I look at their schedule and their wins um, they've only got one loss, but it's to Toledo. Close loss. It was only three points. Um, but they're only they've only played one ranked team, and it was Baylor, who's twenty first. And so I just I'm not fully sure yet what to make of the Michigan women's team. Um, obviously, they are they are strong and good, but I just don't know that they hold up against what Carolina can bring at them in a multitude of ways. Interestingly, this is just the second time these two women's teams have ever played. They played back in 1987, with, of course, North Carolina taking the victory in that one. Part of what, keep in mind, makes the Tar Heels so tough, not only is their experience and maturity, although they'll get to bring a lot of that back again next season, is that they're balanced as a scoring attack. Four players average in the 13 to 15 point range. All four of those are top 15 scorers in the ACC. Deja Kelly averaging 15.4 points per game is seventh in the conference. Alyssa Usby and Kennedy Todd Williams are both at 14.3 points per game, good for ninth in the conference. And Eva Hodgson has 13.2 points per game, good for right at 15th in the conference. And so... Uh, What I love that this team brings is you just it's one of those teams who you never know who's going to do it to you on a given night um, if you're the opponent. If you're Courtney Banghart, you kind of love that you don't know who's going to do it for you on a given night. You you have your good ideas that more often than not, for example, it's going to be Deja Kelly. But remember a couple games ago, it wasn't her, but everybody else picked up the slack and did it. Night in and night out, somebody is going to do work for The Lady Tar Heels. Um, Keep an eye on the biggest thing for me to keep an eye on in this one is Paulina Paris and her minutes and her performance. Um, she th- that stretch against the three other ranked teams that Carolina played. Her, her playing time and production kind of dropped off a little bit there, which you expect from the only freshman on the team who's still getting worked into this thing. Coach Hart wants to protect her, obviously, a little bit. And when you've got such experience to rely on for those high-level games and let Paulina kind of work her way in a little bit, you're just afforded that luxury with this team. But... Those minutes in production have grown back slowly and surely these past three games since then, including their last game, USC Upstate, career highs in points, made field goals, made three-pointers. And so you just love to see like she's getting it. Confidence is growing. She's doing work and getting her further worked in a lot uh, along with some of these um, red shirts and sophomores who are younger And and again, several of the starters are juniors who will be back likely next year as well. But with Paulina really working her way in, you need that to continue to build depth for the program, both in the short and long term. And so keep your eyes on how she continues to progress and work to be um, an integral part of this unit, which I think what she brings to the team can really help them work towards achieving their ceiling. So. Keep your eyes out on that as you watch the Lady Tar Heels cheer them on. It's in Charlotte, man. Go watch the game. If you're local, it would be great. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be there. I've been seeing in different chats that I'm in um, and some some of the other sports media folks. I know producers and, and other podcast hosts. And so make sure you go to the game if you have an opportunity to do so. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. As I said, coming up tomorrow, Coach Pat Kilby and I, as always on Wednesday, we're going to get you ready for the guys game against Michigan on Wednesday night. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Send the show an email, Locked on Tar at gmail.com. We'd love to get your nominations for Heel of the Week and Heel of the Week. For your second listen of the day check out locked on sports today the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and of course the take of the day it's available on odyssey youtube and anywhere else you get your podcast don't forget subscribe smash the like button please leave some comments on any of this we've had a great variety of stuff we've talked about today really appreciate you spending part of your tuesday to hang out with me it seriously means so much that you would choose to do so. I wanna remind you, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? You know it. Until tomorrow, peace.